Ever's host Ken Jones talks with Lawrence Sheinberg, author of the new book, Four Men Shaking, Searching for Sanity with Samuel Beckett, Norman Mailer, and my favorite Zen teacher. And at 11.30 on Words and Pictures, SW Concert speaks with local cinema archivists who, pre- get, who present screenings of rare and risque films. All of these KBOO programs are made possible by member support. If you'd like to become a member, go to kboo.fm and click on Donate. And if you'd like another way to listen to KBOO, please download our mobile app now. KBOO Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBOO in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBOO Community Radio's open meeting policy is available by calling the station at 503-231-8032. The events committee will meet on Monday, September 16th at 5 o'clock at Cider Riot at 807 Northeast Cooch Street. KBOO at the Clinton is a monthly film series that benefits your community radio station. This month will host the 10th anniversary of Right to Survive on Thursday, September 12th at 7 p.m. at the Clinton Street Theater. The Right to Survive 10th anniversary celebration will celebrate the Shelter for All movement, participation of Right to Dream 2, and Right to Survive. There will be a retrospective with short films, slideshows, and speakers on 10 years of Right to Survive's work for safety, dignity, health, and well-being for those without shelter. Again, that's the 10th anniversary of Right to Survive on Thursday, September 12th at 7 p.m. at the Clinton Street Theater, 2522 Southeast Clinton Street in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events. McCoy Show. And welcome to the Heather McCoy Show. Joining me right now is uh, KBU Morning Public Affairs. Uh, are you a coordinator or are you a director? I um, am a director. I am the public affairs director. Oh, public affairs so director. So official sounding. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to butcher her last name. Jenna Yokama. Is, I, I'm sorry. I, I tried to spell it out phonetically, but I am extremely white. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. So here we go. It's okay. Yoko, like, Yoko. Like Yoko Ono. Yoko Ono. Okay. And Yama. Like Yama. Yamaha. Okay. Yokohama. <laughs> I can't say nuclear. Like I'm like George W. Bush. So there's there's that. Yokoyama. Yokoyama. Hey! Okay. Yay! I, I, I did it once, and it's probably going to take a million times to practice before I get this right. So you, if you're just tuning into uh, KV right now, um, and you're not aware, and uh, you're not Facebook friends with me, this is the last Heather McCoy show for a while. Um, I am having uh, some issues uh, in my personal life, and I need to step away from KVU for a little bit. I'm still going to do smoke signals from the speakeasy every other week, because... 
I've been DJing on the air music-wise since 2005, and I just, like, roll up, put my pajamas, take my pajamas off, like, get in with some leggings and a sweater, and then just head down to the station. So it's not a lot of prep work for that anymore. It used to be when I first started, because... I was not in safe harbor and I Ooh. would have to uh, Ooh, screen everything thinking, for, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd have to screen everything for swearing because sometimes when you have a big music collection like me, um, sometimes you forget which swears and what doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, and we had no dump button either at my first station. Oh, So it was oh. like no, no, no backsies. Oh my God, I've been at a station with no dump button and every time I was on the air, it was like my hands were just sweating i was just <laughs> trying to sound calm on air and like oh yeah and and you just feel like all the curse words are right at the back of your tongue just like mm -hmm. ready to jump out it's panic yeah it is panic i actually had a i i've only had three radio related dreams and one of them was uh <laughs> i was on my old station kuci in irvine shout out to them they're about to have irvine. their irvine they're about to have their 50th anniversary as a station as a preform Ooh. station uh, and so I would have dreams where I, I couldn't stop the swearing. <laughs> we're just like, I can't stop this. And all the CD players would just go, expletive, expletive, expletive. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop this. And it was it was absolutely horrifying. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. But most of my dreams involved, like, the mob chasing me down and, like, trying to kill me. So I don't know why I have that that dream those are similar levels of stress <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah the radio so. stress is real it's the radio real. stress is very real and yeah. uh so i like how they're equal nightmares though you <laughs> kind like of equal nightmares cd players run amok well this is yeah. chasing you well the other dream i had a nightmare was we had this old radio engineer who was a lot like uh joe Gorelli on news radio where he would just like <laughs> put things together on the fly and oh this will work uh, and so in the dream, I had uh, commissioned him to make me a portable studio so I could broadcast from home. And nice. I lost control of it. And <laughs> <laughs> I like, uh, yeah, it didn't go very well. And so that was my other radio nightmare. I've only had two. Oh, I like that you've had a news radio nightmare. That's really good. Well, it wasn't news radio. Mike Boyle was like Joe Grelly, except <laughs> for the conspiracy theories. Yeah. That, that was the only part that was different. I forgot what, but like usually uh, NBC doesn't acknowledge the fact that news radio existed. And I saw a promo on their network once, and then they went through all their legendary shows, and news radio was one of them. And I was just like, oh, wow, they acknowledge that existed. You know, because you mentioned that to me like a few months ago, and I had totally forgotten about news radio. I've been attempting to find full episodes uh, in the interwebs. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. Oh, it's hysterical. It's so good. I mean, the last time I saw it was when it was on the air. And now I was just like, wow, this still pretty holds up. I mean, like there's some things, you know, that are like little cringy as all shows from the yeah. past are, but it's really good. It's really good. It's and really it good. holds up a lot better than like Friends. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not even get into that. I mean, Jimmy James, that's all I got to say. Jimmy James is awesome. When you name a character Jimmy James, like that's great. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, that I love that show so much. Uh, and then Dave Foley was coming off of Kids in the Hall, and so oh, he, yeah. yeah, so he was moving over to network TV, and yeah, that that was a really good, really good show. That had a really good cast. Yeah, um, they they had uh, Jimmy James as played. I can't remember his real name off the top of my head, but he Stephen Root. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Stephen Root's been in a lot of things. I office just think of him as Milton. Yeah, exactly. Mil yeah, Milton. Yeah. Whenever I see him, I just see the red stapler. <laughs> the red nice stapler. <laughs> uh, the woman that played Catherine I think she was in CSI and a few a lot of other oh, shows oh yeah, yeah she was on CSI yeah uh, wow, she went on to something very different and serious 
Uh-huh. She did. Yeah. But she was great as Catherine. Oh, yeah, yeah, One yeah. of my favorite episodes is, like, the air conditioner at the radio station uh, malfunctions, and everyone's having, de- like, delusions because it's so <laughs> hot. And Catherine's delusion was that there were actually other black people that worked at the radio Stop. station. And then, like, and then they were actually, like, having a real conversation that Catherine would be interested in. And then, like, the delusion, the flashback stopped. And then they're like, oh, did you catch the last episode of Friends? <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, her look on her face when, like, she realizes that was not reality is just priceless. That's so real. Yeah. And then, uh, as we were talking about, uh, Joe Gorelli was played by the dude that is, like, the UFC guy. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I can't think of his name. Joe Rogan. Yeah, Joe Rogan. Uh, And then you had Phil Hartman. Uh, Phil Hartman was so good. Oh, he was so good. I like his Mark Russell imitation for those that who grew up watching PBS a lot. <laughs> that was so good. Um, and then they, you had uh, Maura Tierney was on that. Maura Tierney, yeah, that's yeah, she, she like kind of got big on that. Yeah, she was in ER and she made an appearance as Robert California's wife in uh, The Office. Um, that was for oh, one episode. Yeah, it's very it's very funny actually. That show. Okay, yeah. So I think that people if. If people haven't watched it in a long time, like you can find, you can find some old episodes on the YouTubes and stuff, but you can't like find all of them. But they're really good. They're very funny. Yeah, because you know it is radio life. Like it is such radio life. Where I watched an episode the other day, where um, Phil Hartman and Martini are like, they they need a guest. Their show's coming oh, up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they need a guest, and they're just, like, at a restaurant, and they see uh, Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> and they just, like, <laughs> try to convince him to come onto their show. I'm like, oh, I've never randomly bugged people to come onto my show. <laughs> nope, nope. And I just felt for them. I was like, come on, Jerry. Just help them. That is such a programming thing. It's it just is. like, oh, I need you to come in the last second because the last guy dropped. Please, please, please. <laughs> and then, like, you're trying to write the email, but without the desperation of the, the whole of what's going on. Hey, no it. worries if you can't come in, but oh, my God, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what happens when you host a live show. Uh, yeah. Uh, weekly so uh, I think we were talking about this off air but a lot of people don't know the prep work that goes into a PA show oh and yeah so like uh it's like oh I read a book in two days that was about 400 pages that was an academic book about uh I think we played the episode last week was uh, uh we re-aired it the uh Stonewall Riot book I read yeah. that whole book in two days and oh my god uh yeah and that so, thing was not small no that thing was not small and so um <laughs> Yeah, so like it's so that and so I used to have the energy. I would work forty hours a week, and then I board opt for five hours, and I had my had the McQuaid show for maybe. Um, I did a lot of prep work for that, and everything was fine. Uh, everything was going well, and then as the situation at my paying job is starting to deteriorate to the point where. People are comparing it to Circuit City. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, no. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, and so uh, as, as that started to deteriorate and as, and, and as uh, you know, we've had some internal strife at KBU. And then as, as that has gone on, it's just been a lot really wearing on me. And I just graduated from college in 2018. And I just don't feel that my life is tracking correctly and I need to actually uh, get a job that pays me something at this what point. What 
Heather, why would you want such things? A, a job that pays you a, a living wage? I what? know. Like, I'm crazy that I actually want to seek this out because I know, like, that it, it's technically going to pay me a living wage, but then, dong, 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 student loan bills. <laughs> that's going to take out like 800 bucks out of my check every yeah, week. Yeah, see, that's not a living wage. A living yeah. wage should be able to pay for all the things that are modern life, which student loans are, um, yeah, that's everybody's like reality. Okay. Yeah. Maybe not everybody, but the people are privileged enough to go to college but I mean look it's in the news every single day and the fact that like you can never escape your student loans you you can't even die I mean it's just that needs to be taken into account for living wage it definitely does Fair or right. or the, the like the loans need to be forgiven completely because they are yes. predatory to start with exactly. like a lot of like homeowners that are baby boomers will go well huh can the federal government just pay off my mortgage and it's just like, yeah, no, it doesn't no, no, work no, no, like no, no, that. No, no, no. And everybody who complains about that, I always tell them, like, my mom is a baby boomer. And I remember when I was going into college, she told me what it was like for her to go into college, that she would work a full-time job. And she was, this is in Southern California in like the 60s or whatever. Sure. She'd work a full-time job for three months during the summer and it would pay for her school year. Yeah. I was like... Um, well, I'm going to have to work a summer job for the rest of my life to pay off <laughs> one year of school. Yeah. Like my dad was the same way where he would work at Hearst Castle or he would work at uh, Shaver Lake. Uh, those are both jobs that he's had in, over the summer and that would be his tuition. And then like they don't understand that like, oh, hey, things have changed a lot and you have yeah. predatory banks that just move money around and, and they don't really add anything to the economy that's just they just make you know the austerity that we've had since reagan is just astronomical yeah. and it's yeah so i'm trying to to get a, a a better job that fulfills me and um i don't have to deal with the stuff i have to deal with that's real that's yeah real. but we appreciate you i appreciate the opportunity um i want to show's been great thank you i appreciate it i that. hope i hope that the magical job uh, comes to you very quickly so that Heather McCoy show can come back. Yeah. Yeah. Because like that, that's the show. It's like, you know, people don't have, you don't have the space to be creative. You're just like in a mode that is like survival and you just need to take care of this and that. But yeah. it's like this, this show, Heather McCoy show. So awesome. And like, it's been great to see you come in in the mornings. Like Heather gets here before me and I, sometimes I get here really early and Heather's here just like prepping for her show. She's got all these, things up and articles and uh, you know she's got a million discussions to have with me because she has like a million ideas and it's just so great to see how much work you put into your show and then every time when I tune into your show it's just it you can just tell all how much uh, work goes into it and how you've taken the years to build up your skill because like you know you have many elements to your show and I really hope people appreciate that and I'm gonna be sad to see it go but you know I also want Heather to get sleep and eat and you know live life yeah i i do appreciate that um i just want to give a shout out if she's listening to lisa loving she's the one that put me on the air and um there's there's a few people that seem to not you know appreciate what she did at kbu and 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 then when i tell them that lisa was the one that put approved my show and they're like oh and it kind of turns their whole thought process around on that and, um, it's just it was a complicated place it is a very complicated place uh so the one Kibu of the family, the Kibu family yeah. uh so one of the things i wanted to talk about that is uh serious uh and then and you know Kiva will go on and i'll and hopefully i'll be back soon and 
So, like, it's it's a temporary goodbye. I'll just say that. Well, it's just a temporary goodbye to the public affairs. Yes. Heather's still here. Heather's You just got to yeah. wake up even earlier to hear Heather. Yeah, 3 to 6 a.m. Try yeah. that on. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, what I was going to say is, like, uh, I'll still be here. I, I believe in this station. I contribute to it. I, I do the $60 a month uh, pledge premium, so I got a beanie last year. And nice. then, like, Six dollars comes out of my very measly account every month. So if I'm really poor uh, and you, I can do it. You can do it. So I just that's a little bit of prep work for Pledge Drive, um, because Thanks for the plug. yeah, for the plug. Uh, because like even though you know, I mean, our, our internal struggles uh, have been publicized in the Oregonian and other places. Um, we still need money to operate, and we're gonna figure this out and move forward. And this, but is, you know what? You know yeah. what? You know what? Any press. Is good for us, <laughs> right? No. I mean, we made it into the going, blah, blah, blah. you know. But at the same time, it's like, sure, the internal strife, yes, has been made public. But there's still so many people who support, yeah. like you support the people who are in this building. When the people inside this building still support, it, I know that they see everything that there is to love about the station. And like, you know, one of the things is that we give people a voice. Yeah, like Heather. Definitely. You know, and Heather has brought so many awesome topics to the air and Heather's perspective has been really great to have on in the morning. And that's that's what is actually Kabu. So I say let's celebrate it. Yeah, let's celebrate it. Yeah, let's totally celebrate. You're like your beanie. Maybe <laughs> yeah. I don't know where it's at right now. <laughs> like, oh no. Like yeah, I think it's I have a laundry thing where like I just I I put things where they lie. Uh <laughs> and so like I know where all of my NWSL beanies are at, so I've got one for the North Carolina Courage, the Thorns, the Red Stars. I just don't know where my cable is. Well, you know, Heather, starting on Monday, it's going to be the membership drive. Yes. And if you renew your membership for just $5 a month (laughs) or $60 a year, we'll thank you. With, with another beanie. beanie. Yeah, with another beanie. Well, I'm just going to carry over that pledge. So, okay. yeah, I'm just going to keep that going. Um, yesterday was 9-11, uh, if you didn't know. And one of the things that really irritates me about that time is the fact that, like, n- this whole, like, nine twelve thing is, like, happening. <sighs> and then it's just, like... And it's even, like, people that are, you know, nominally liberal that go, oh, remember the time when we were all in unity and everything was just fought peachy and, like, uh, we all came together for one cause? And it's just like, no. No, I don't remember that. No, I don't remember that at all. And then that that history was rewritten by Glenn Beck, and uh, I don't think a lot of people know that. Ray, if you can cue up the Glenn Beck thing, uh, I think it's number three. Three, number three on the on the clips. I think my brain. On nine twelve, no one in the government had to tell us what to do. We just did it. We went and we found a place to give blood. We went and we gave money. We gathered together. We gathered our family around. We 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 prayed. We did. We were the people that our grandparents were, and nobody had to tell us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought about the grandparents thing. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> so that was ten years ago. You know how many you know how much Glenn Beck I had to listen to to find that? <laughs> oh my what 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 was that? Was that like from his like a radio what was that? That was a radio broadcast from uh, two thousand nine. Well, wow, his 
it just shows how people's reality in America can be really, really segregated. Yeah, because that was so not my experience. Like when I heard it, when I heard it again uh, live on the air, it's just like there's so much to unpack. Um, I, on, in your office, you have a notice about uh, Japanese Americans going into your internment camps. Yeah. And, and when he brings up grandparents, he's trying to give a, a shout out to the greatest generation. I know. And it's I, just I, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because when I hear that and I he- think of my grandparents, I, I imagine, you know, um, 9-11 and then I imagine Pearl Harbor. And what was the reaction? You know, so Pearl Harbor was December 7th. What was the reaction on December 8th? Well, yeah. my grandparents were probably hiding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. they like, oh, God, America, no. And, and that was the experience for a lot of uh, Muslim people and a lot of Sikh people. Yes. It was like. Uh, I didn't. I could. I just thought of it before I went on the air, so I didn't have time to track it down. But there's a clip of just Howard Stern going flat out racist right in the middle of September 11th. Yeah. And we didn't know who did it or why, but he went immediately to Muslims and used racial epitaphs up and yeah. down. And I don't know if he's ever apologized for that. Oh, do you remember like the uh, um, on September 12th? You know, they were talking about, oh, look at all the quote unquote Muslim terrorists like dancing on the roofs and stuff like uh-huh. that and celebrating. Yeah. I mean, like what happened on September 12th? Well, uh, racial profiling to the extreme started. Yeah. Um, Sikh people started the to Patriot get Act. Attacked. the Patriot Act came like a month later. I mean, yeah, sure, okay, we are living every day like it's September twelfth now. Like, <laughs> yeah. Glenn Beck, you have won. I think, I think, um, I think Edward Snowden has showed us that we live every day like September twelfth with the surveillance yeah. of society that has been pervasive from Silicon Valley. Yeah, uh, by a long shot, and so um, yeah, there's this, yeah, one of the pe- people that. Um, I'm friends with is like he shared something from I don't know who but it says quote the best way we could ever honor those on lost on 9-11 is to live each day like September 12th there is no race there is no gender or political side in the end what what, the only thing that matters is each other America's first Americans forever and just like how do you what this is this is total territory just the whole that whole statement within it's like there is no race or is it there's just America like what it's like erasure of like I am in the LGBT community so I'm very familiar with bi erasure because I am bi and so uh, I'm sure in minority communities when you hear conservatives or people that are liberal say I don't see race like that was a big joke on the Colbert report way back in the day but I mean I'm sure that's similar right oh yeah yeah totally like the whole I don't see race I'm just like Wow, that's a lot of privilege <laughs> to unpack right there. But it's it's amazing how people can be like, I don't see race. Muslim terrorists. I'm just like, oh my God. Stop. Stop. Yeah, I, I think I've told, thinking about the, uh, Muslim baiting, I, I think I told you a story about Bill Maher where uh, one, oh no. there was one time I was I like. block the story out. Yeah, there was one time I was like considering like going up on a, uh, like a open mic night and saying, let's just try my hand at comedy. And so I was kind of in bed with my iPad and I was watching George Carlin and I'm like, you know, crap, I'm never going to be that good. And then I went <laughs> down to the bathroom and then you know how YouTube has autoplay? Yeah. Well, they went to Bill Maher next yeah. and then I, I watched that and I'm going, Holy crap. <laughs> it's not that hard. It's not that hard at all. Uh, yeah. I don't know. How, I don't know how Bill Marcy's on the air. He's so bad. 
Uh, and so, anyways, the other fun thing, uh, uh, we're going to play clip number four, uh, Fox and Friends. This was what oh, I think no. Ashley uh, Earnhardt, where's oh, her God. name? She said this to uh, Carl Rove uh, yesterday morning. Yeah. You didn't, maybe many people out there didn't vote for President Bush, but they were supportive of our country. They were supportive right. of it. didn't Supporting matter if you're a Republican 90%. or a Democrat. Right. It didn't, politics yeah. aside, no one was kneeling. When uh, oh, the anthem was played, how hard, do we get back to that without another 9/11? Well, oh hard, my, hard to what? get back to it. You know, our what? country's so divided. There'll be a moment where where we will come together. A moment where this bitterness in our politics and the divisiveness will will drop away. It doesn't need to have 9/11, but it does need leadership, and it needs a, uh, it needs people who who in Washington who will help bring us together. That'll happen. Yeah. Uh, what would you? What would uh, well, the amazing thing is, it, is it, the amazing thing is, it was not Steve Ducey. Like that's <laughs> that's that's the incredible Just part of that clip. Kneeling, kneeling. Like, yes. This is where we're at, America. Uh huh. Yeah. This is where we've been for like oh I don't know two hundred fifty something odd yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. But like I just. Yeah, that the nine twelve thing just bothers the hell out of me. Obviously, okay. Um, I brought a list of things that have happened yes. on nine twelve and not two thousand one because if people want to live like it was September twelfth, yes. Uh, let's talk about how in eighteen fourteen on September twelfth, uh, during the War of eighteen twelve, the Battle of North Point was fought in Maryland. That that's very that's American. In, that's interesting. Yes. Dude, yeah. Uh, the first American burlesque show opened in eighteen sixty six. That's pretty cool. Uh, in nineteen twenty two, the Episcopal Church removed the word obey from the bride section of wedding vows. Yeah, yeah, that was less than 100 years ago. Yeah, think about that. Um, in 1938, hey, on don't September 12th. Hey, don't kink shame. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, no, no. No, I'm doing that. Um, but Adolf Hitler demanded self-determination for Germans in Czechoslovakia. Yeah, that yeah. happened on September 12th. Think about that one. Uh, uh, oh, apparently, September 12th is like a debut day for TV shows because Lassie debuted and also had its last episode. They shot Lassie on September 12th. Yeah, exactly. Oh. So think about that. Do you really want to live every day on September 12th? Uh, that last episode of Leave it to Beaver. Gee, Wally, I have herpes. <laughs> um, and family appeared. Uh, uh, family fair appeared on TV. So there's there's certain things like um, super whiteness appeared on TV. Uh, uh, violence occurred in 1974 on the opening day of classes in Boston due to opposition to court ordered school busing. So yeah. there's September 12th. There's Super America. I'm sure Joe Biden remembers that. Yeah. Another thing uh, in 1983, Arnold Schwarzenegger became a U.S. citizen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There are people in California that actually voted for, they're college students. I shouldn't say people. There are college students that actually vo uh, voted for Arnold Schwarzenegger because they wanted their diploma to have his signature on it. Oh gosh. Yeah, that that's that's what was <laughs> a big swing issue in that in that recall election. Well, I hope it was worth it for that like <laughs> two years of people who got it on there. Okay, and then in 2009, here's Super America. Steve Jobs announced that Apple iTunes had 88% of the legal U.S. music download market. Yeah. Monopoly's America! Monopoly's America. Well, so, you yeah, know what's funny about that, though, is about Apple, and this is going, this is kind of not 912-ish, but it just reminded me of a conversation I had. I guess, like, Apple, like, violated some rule about having temporary workers and having a proportion of them in their in their factory at Foxconn, and then... And then my friend was trying to tell me, oh, Apple's a bad company. And I'm like, well, Uber's bad. Like, I went through the whole list of Silicon Valley companies oh, yeah. that are bad. And it's just yeah. like, it's it's not just Apple. Yeah. Like, it's, 
it's everyone. Yeah, and then, then they brag about that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, Woohoo, it's we just have like, 88% of the downloads. Yeah. But I love how it's legal US downloads. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to talk about Pirate Bay at all. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Well, a lot of my friends, uh, because that's one of the, the things that is happening on the online world is uh, like they're each media company is trying to like corner the streaming market. And so a lot of my friends go, oh, we're going to just dust off the old VPN and, and Pirate Bay if you're going to go do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah, it's it's a thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, September 12th, question for you. Yes. So uh, do you feel like your worldview or anything changed on September 12th, or I guess on September 11th, but how did you feel on September 12th? Was the world different to you, or was it just like another day? Um, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. The, for me, it wasn't different. Um, like, so if, if you're curious about my myself and um, my political um, pedigree, I, I was a right-wing conservative in high school. What? Uh, yes. I'm learning so much about that right now. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and so, like, I could have very easily ended up like Stephen Miller. Uh, very, very easily ended up like oh. Stephen Miller. Uh, and so, and in, in my senior year, I started, like, I was not well-liked. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Who knew? Like, like... <laughs> Like, uh, and so, like, I started to hang around other misfits, and one of the other misfits I started hanging around with some uh, people that were in the punk rock, and it's not just any punk rock; it was like crass and like like anarchist bands. Okay. And um, and and due to this, like, it, I my political outlook on life completely changed, and I started reading oh. Noam Chomsky my senior year, and so I I wasn't. Um, wow, you went from being conservative to being like, I think I'm gonna read some Noam Chomsky. Yeah, I went all the way from wow. socialist, from a right wing conservative, all the way to being like an anarchist socialist. Um, huh. Pretty, yeah, it, it was a pretty hard uh, swing, uh, and and yeah, and it needed to happen because, like, I would honestly say like in my and that's what what's funny about like right wing world and why it like people go oh you. My dad, for example, I love him very much, but I'm like, that's a dog whistle, dad. And then yeah. the, he hasn't left that world. Oh. And so, and he doesn't quite understand it. So I try to explain it to him and then he kind of gets it, but then he doesn't want to get it because then he'll have to change his mind on yeah. some things. Yeah. So it's a, it's kind of a weird, um, it's kind of a weird looking glass to look through the world at, uh, because a lot of that I we I talked about this with Christy Stroop when she's been on the show. She she started ex evangelical, and that the evangelical world overlaps with the right wing world almost to the degree degree that it's no there's no separation, yeah. and like I know all of their words too because I grew up in that culture. I did mm. an altar call, and like mm. and then like um, so. Uh, I know what they're capable of, and I know that it's not good. And um, they see that they there is white supremacy in that. And I I have friends that are conservative, and it's hard to say like you have to like you're not really doing enough self analysis in this. Because I remember, you know, I will flat out tell you that when I was a Republican, I was a white supremacist. There is no, uh, I wasn't a part of a group. I wasn't. You know, it was before Milo videos. I wasn't doing that, oh but like, but I mean, that's the, that's the ideology I embraced because I was yeah. a Rush Limbaugh ditto head, 
and he's like the gateway to that stuff and i don't think that's been acknowledged uh very much in heather yeah Okay, we need to do a <laughs> sit-down interview. This is going to be a special sometime in the future after Heather's got the whole job they know. Okay. And we're, we just interview Heather. How is this all being revealed on your last show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow, Heather. Heather McCoy show. Yeah. Even it's deeper. Even deeper. Into wow. This, into, I forget, into the psyche of Heather. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wait, so I have a question. Yeah. As somebody who is in that, you know, and did you realize how, because I assume that like when you were there in that conservative space, you, I, did you think of yourself as like being a racist person or like subscribing to uh, parts of it? Like, did you, did you have that awareness? Because I feel like a lot of conservative people I've met, like. They are not aware. Yeah. They're like, I'm not racist. And like, they're not, you know, like KKK style, but yeah. they don't understand that they're embedded in whiteness. And so like, did you have an awareness of that? I, d- I, I did have an awareness that I was racist. Like it, oh. it was flat. It, it was an awareness, but I didn't, but it was, uh, at the same time, I just like, it's good policy. You know, like I was, I don't know. Like I, I'm a little bit older than a lot of, uh, Kibu listeners. Um, but maybe hopefully, I don't know. Uh, like, um, I remember Prop 87 in, in California, and I actually... Oh, Prop 87. 187, yeah. It was basically, it was a precursor to the Trump times, where, like, 187 would take away um, the rights of illegal immigrants to education and health care and a bunch mm. of other stuff. And I actually went in front of my class, and I was the person that argued for it. And I didn't do it just as a, you know, academic exercise, and I don't really believe this, but here's my argument. Because I was, you know, I've had those debates where, like, you know, I took a poli sci class in Cal Poly and I had to argue against single payer healthcare. And it was just like, I don't really believe what I'm saying, but this is the academic exercise. I believed in it when I did it in high school, I believed in it to the teeth. Uh, and so, um, yeah, it was pretty bad. Uh, and so, like, yeah, it was framing around 9 11 about that. So I was reading, I started reading Noam Chomsky in 1997 and uh, started listening to KPFK, which is Los Angeles' version of, of KBU, uh, in probably this around the same time. And so like when 9-11 happened, it was just like, oh crap. Because like I knew the response. I think Hunter S. Thompson wrote a really precedent, uh, pre- prescient um, art, like, thing in ESPN magazine page two where he's like we're going to be at war for the rest of our lives and it's true we're 18 years into it and we bombed Yemen Pakistan Afghanistan literally everywhere in in that area of the world and we're still at it Um, and so when 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 and when we talk about 912 unity and then one of the things that isn't said is like the president either that day or the day after goes you're either with us or you're with the terrorists and i think a lot of people forget that and i'm like i'm with neither like i i i know that this is team america world police coming out and i know it's gonna be (laughs) awful like i was legitimately frightened for my own safety uh not from any terrorist group but from um from the george w bush government yeah that's my mm-hmm. memories of 912 and it's not mm. the unity stuff i didn't i never felt anything anything near that yeah the unity thing i remember on 912 um 
shutting off the TV the mm-hmm. whole day. Like, you know, internet wasn't big yet, so it was all TV. And yeah. like, I shut off all media that day because I remember the, the little bit that I did hear in the morning, I couldn't handle the rhetoric. It was just so racist sounding. Well, not sounding. It was racist. It was it just was, like yeah. racist. And um, it was so obvious that this was like some sort of push for war. And um, at the time, I was a not so enlightened uh, person of color. We all we've all had our <laughs> journeys. We're revealing that today. We've all had our journeys. Um, and I was super. I want. I don't want to say that I was like an anti POC person, but I just like wasn't very awake yet. And so, yeah. like, all my friends were white. And it was this because you grew up in Irvine. Yeah, we can <laughs> we can unpack Irvine later. That that should be its own show. Like I grew up in Irvine, and people just call in. We'll get hundreds of calls. Anyhow, yeah moving on to other things yeah I um it revealed to me something that I already understood that like you know that I lived in a country that was like white dominated and I understood that but to see then my friends and people who I were really close to who called themselves democrats and who called themselves progressive to hear their rhetoric Mm -hmm. was shocking to me because I was like oh my god why are the why are the people just like focus now on all brown people and it was it felt a lot like how my family had described the panic after say like Pearl Harbor and it just was I was really really scared for people Um, and then listening to like my partner at the time was white and like his whole family were just were like going into this like oh Muslim terrorists and I didn't know what to say I was shocked you know and we didn't have as many uh, as much language around like talking about race you know back in 2001 and you know and I was like 20 21 something at the time so I'm just like terrified of all the scary like dominant white people who are telling me that like you know we need to do unity and like I don't see race and it just made me feel incredibly invisible that day and I was just like I need to just and after I remember struggling for a while around my friends because I didn't want to hear about it. I didn't want to talk about it. And I was sort of hoping we could just avoid the topic as opposed to me realizing like, oh, maybe these people aren't good for my life. (laughs) Yeah. But it revealed a lot to me that I didn't want to see previously about like whiteness within Southern California because I always thought it was like a really diverse place. I mean, it is really diverse compared to a lot of parts of the country, but it was like, oh, that whiteness still really, really creeps in. And then the Patriot Act affected my life. Oh, yeah, the um, yeah. I mean, the whiteness. That's one of the things about Orange County that we're a place where we grew up is like uh, one of the things that I think a lot of conservatives and a lot of people that are um, more moderate they don't understand is everything in the society that we do is an aggregate, mm-hmm. and so. Um, I really, and I'll, you know, like, you know how, like, the racist person will say, I don't, I don't, I have African-American friends. Yeah. Well, like, I, I'll admit to everyone that I really don't. I have one person that I flirt with on, on Facebook and, you know, like, he's really cute, but I just don't. And part of the reason why is I grew up in Orange County and then, like, the Klan was very active in Anaheim in the mm-hmm. 20s. And then that residual racism from the 20s, yeah. it trickles up to today. And oh, I yeah. think, I think that's like kind of. Portland. Like, yeah, like, like Portland, because I think Portland was a white-only state until, like, two, 1926 is when they reversed that or something like that. Well, and like, all the laws around it. I, I'm really bad at the history. Yeah. But, yeah, like, weren't lifted until, like, mid-century. So yeah. It's... So, like, so like there is residual effect around that. Oh, yeah. And it just isn't, 
and and then and compounding as far as like savings like the savings rates of people of color uh versus uh white families it's just it's very different yeah and so um i'm i don't know if the word's woke or not but i will say like i'm trans and so like i i it's hard to be an ally to poc because i see all the ways that other people other people that say that they're allies with me fail so yeah. i never try to say that i am that because i think that's being too um oh i don't i'm saviory yeah <laughs> white saviory i would say that or i would say that it's too um it, it's putting your foot somewhere where you don't know anything about it and then like you have to, to like it's uh one of those things where like uh, there's an old Operation Ivy song and the refrain is all I know is I don't know nothing and I don't know what it's like to be POC and yeah. so I'm not going to assume and have a arrogance about me that say that I, I do and I think that's what I'm searching for is they feel like anyone that says that they're an ally um, it, like that and they're white it's usually born out of arrogance and, yeah. and like I try to shut down racism within um the white community that I see, uh, and I try to you know, shut down anti-Semitism because I see that too, and like I'm very sensitive to that because at one point I was going to become Jewish, and um, George W. Bush uh, fixed that. <laughs> like he, he, like after after all the faith-based people were like, "Oh, he's a great president," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, if this would if this is what it means to be a good you know religious person is to follow this guy." I don't believe in God anymore. Yeah. Like that was, <laughs> that yeah. was, that was it. I wish I could do that survey. It's like, how did, how did your religious beliefs change? <laughs> yeah. In what ways? And just how many people are just like, and I lost faith in God. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause like a lot of my favorite, cause at the time, like if you want to follow the, the path, like a lot of my favorite um, writers like Abby Hoffman, um, Noam Chomsky, all those people were Jewish. And then um, there was a lot of really, good social justice work coming out of the Jewish religion so I'm like I'll, I'll be Jewish and then I just like that that flame burnt out of religion as soon as like it became apparent what the Christian right was using George W. Bush for and um so I just like I'm just done and then I, and then I went to uh what a Unitarian Universalist which is their own thing which is like like a lot of old hippies that are not as self-aware as they think they are <laughs> Uh, there's one, my favorite service was, I love her to death and she's a very dear friend. Uh, she did a thing about stereotypes and how stereotypes are bad. And she's a lesbian woman. And as soon as she says that, she uh, launches into a Melissa Esridge song uh, at the piano. <laughs> and I couldn't stop laughing. It was the funniest thing ever. And then, like everyone was looking at me like, why is Heather laughing? And it's just like, well... <laughs> this is like a South Park episode. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh Lord! So if you have any, if you want to say hi or anything uh, and add to the conversation, our number is five zero three two three one eighty one eighty seven. My battery's dying on my laptop, so I'm not sure if I'll be able to see your caller names. But uh, yeah, um, so we'll we'll go with that. So, um, yeah, this is my last show on KBU. So if you're just joining us, um, as Heather McCoy show is ending, I just kind of felt like um, it's going to be something where I don't feel it's fair to KBU 
or to myself that we I just play reruns indefinitely. <laughs> Join Heather; she'll be back sometime. Because it's just three like, years later. Three years later. It's like, yeah. okay, I swear I've heard this episode before. <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard this before. People uh, start to memorize your show because they've heard so many repeats. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, I think this is the part where Heather laughs. <laughs> That would be actually really awesome if you had that many super fans who just, like, kept tuning in and, like, they could totally say the whole show with you. Yeah. Well, They're still calling in. How come I can't get through? Yeah. That's, like, I have something to say about this. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so, yeah, it is my last show for a while uh, uh, for the Heather McCoy show. So I am sad about that. Yeah, I'm sad for you. But you know what? <clears throat> uh, board op Ray, he brought you a gift today. He did. He did. He got some, he, we got some donuts. Some cheer up, cheer up donuts from Delicious Donuts down the street. Yeah. And I'm, it sounds like it may be on the air, but I'm kind of, I had two uh, maple bars oh, and yeah. I, I have, yeah. I'm, right, I'm, oh. I, brought, I brought a little donut so we could have a little donut on air. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a sugar high so, on the air right now. Oh, here's oh, another. Oh, oh. <laughs> more donuts. <laughs> Yeah, so this, this makes for good radio. Is listening to people eat <laughs> on the radio. My uh, this is the quality programming you're oh, going to miss. Oh, this is great. Um, my my dad smokes a lot of weed, and he goes. He's a fill-in DJ for KXLU in Los Angeles. And everyone, and he when we were on KUCI together, when he had a show called George Had a Hat, which is named after uh, a Pure Ubu song, he would. He would basically like uh, take a deep breath into the, the microphone, and he had mucus and phlegm, and you can just hear his nostrils just uh-huh. reverberate on the air. Uh-huh. And you go, mucus and phlegm are my best friends. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then our station coordinator, who's still there, Kevin, he would just come running down the hall. George, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> like it was really awesome. I think I'll use that one the next time I have a. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of things that um, that radio. I love the culture of radio. About like, uh, there's one you were talking about. Or we were talking about news radio earlier, and how like it's not that inaccurate. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's pretty close. <laughs> there was one where they had a security door, and then like Dave, Dave character Dave was obsessed about like who goes in and out of the security door. <laughs> and we had the same thing at KUCI where people were propping open the security door. Oh my gosh, that's our KBU problem. <laughs> we are all the same station. <laughs> it was like it was hysterical, and so like. Yeah, that's the one thing. That's the fun thing about the old station was like every time like my dad would do something, having to go stalking down the hall. George, don't do that. <laughs> so like, so like one of my favorite stories from there was, um, at we at, at UCI, you're probably familiar with this. They have buses around campus to yeah. get people to on on from you know their apartment buildings on campus so that they're not all driving, which is great. So Kevin worked forever to get KUCI played on the buses instead of the commercial radio Kiss FM, which is probably the Portland equivalent is probably Kink or yeah, yeah. It was the um, pop station. Yeah, it's the pop station. So he finally does it, and then uh, George plays a song from ne- uh, Negative Land called "Christianity Is Stupid." <laughs> oh, <no>. Okay, <laughs> and then like in Irvine, oh no, and yeah, and then like as soon as he did, like they took KUCI off the buses again. <laughs> 
It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, because if you've never been to the Irvine, uh, yeah, it's in Orange County, super conservative part of Orange County in Southern California. It is. It is turning blue. It is slowly turning blue. Uh, Katie Porter got elected, and she took over some reactionary seat. I don't remember her name, but Katie Porter is the one that went. And she was, I think she's on a financial committee because she's, uh, I think she's a, law, a finance or a law professor. And she's the one that basically took Wells Fargo to task on one of the, on one of the committees. And she, the clip went viral for a while. Oh, wow. Nice. So like they're. Sometimes good things come out of Orange County sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's definitely turning more purple than it was. Yeah. I mean, that's just because of the demographics that are changing there. That's I mean, true. It's slowly been, you know, it's always been, uh having more and more and more like brown and black folks moving in. Well, I will say it's like more like brown and yellow people. Mm-hmm. It's the Yeah, it's still a, the anti-blackness of Orange County is still. Oh, it's a thing. It's still very, very rampant. Yeah. Rampant. Uh, and and one thing I would always caution in, uh, about demographics is like um, the Irish and, and the Italians, they weren't seen as, as white at one yeah. point. And I think... Uh, uh, I can't remember his first name, but Coates brings up this point about how whiteness envelops different yeah. ethnicities. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, like, I see in in Orange County when I was last there, it, it felt like uh, a lot of Asian uh, cultures were kind of being absorbed in the whiteness, and they were seen oh, as default. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. Like East Asians um, definitely have a thing where, like, you can just if you Google like conservative. Asians like there's a huge uh, portion of the Asian community that are Republicans you know and I my relatives yeah like my immigrant relatives like my dad Mm -hmm. he came from Japan and he only recently became a Democrat because he was like he realized during the election that Trump was like racist he was totally (laughs) gonna vote for him and he was just like what because I've always been a Republican but that's Mm -hmm. very much my experience in the East Asian community is that that first generation is often very conservative and they definitely have like pushed that politics here in the United States and especially as you have a lot of um, I want to say it has more to do with economic class it does yeah because I feel like a lot of um, wealthy Chinese uh, people have been coming to the United States and they're they tend to be a more conservative group of people but I think it has to do with class so much yeah yeah so yeah whiteness whiteness is a thing yay (laughs) yeah uh, so, yeah, if you uh, want to join in the conversation, the number is 503-231-8187. We're taking your calls. We've got about uh, 12 minutes left before uh, Between the Covers comes on. Holy crap, I remembered that. I always scramble. <laughs> I always scramble. Look at that. Last show. Last show. I finally remember what's coming out after me. Um, I'm well, a horrible, horrible human being. If we're in our last few minutes, um, I have a secret gift for you that I know... Oh is like the reason you first came to cable you're like man mm-hmm. i hope that all my radio dreams lead to this moment so <laughs> yeah. anticipate heather i have as a thank you gift for you a tote bag a cable tote bag <laughs> that's awesome and inside the tote bag what what's in the tote bag let's, let's reach in here let's see. and figure this out you too. If you if you were to have a show on Kabu and then you were having your last episode, this could be you at this moment. So I have a, a planned giving guide. Yes. As Heather's looking for a new job. I'm looking for when a new job. When you have more money, you can get to Kabu. Yeah. Yeah. This sounds great. Ooh, a legacy gift. Yes. We all think about the future in one way or the other yeah. as we dream about communities working together that might change the world. 
The values yep. and ideas came even for share of social justice, intellectual and creative freedom, and persist far beyond what any of us can become a legacy and take a part in. Exactly. So yeah, there we go. Yeah, planned giving. And then we've got a bumper sticker. Bumper sticker. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, there should be one more sticker. There should be. One, oh, I think I do see one more sticker. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the round sticker. Or the round sticker. That's is awesome. So thank you for the gift. I love these bags, by the way. I, I go to uh, grocery stores um, and I try not to use uh, paper bags as much as I can. Yeah. But sometimes things happen. <laughs> like, and Heather, if somebody wanted the Kebu tote bag, what would they do? What would they do? How could they? How could they get a Kebu tote bag? Well, I think you're going to be besides going, hosting a show behind Kebu. <laughs> besides putting a lot of work into a show for nine months and then just going peace out, I need to reorganize my life. Oh, sweet, a tote bag. A tote bag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, like, I think they're, I don't know what the pledge premium on the tote bag is going to be, but uh, they're going to call an 800 number next week starting Monday. That's right. You can become a member of KBOO during our membership drive starting next week. Yeah. I'll probably be answering the phones at 6 a.m. too. That's that's my thing. Ah. Yeah. So, if you, if you miss Heather and you're like, I want to hear, I want to hear all of Heather's great opinions. <laughs> oh, God. You can randomly call the 800 opinions. number and hope that Heather is the one that answers the phone. Yeah. I, he, the one thing I've never wanted, so there's things in life where you look at somebody and say, I never want to be that person, right? Yeah. So like uh, Young Turks, that Sink Unger guy, oh, like he can be a dictator of like a small South American country. Like, <laughs> like he's just always on and he has that stupid American flag waving on and then he's, he's like big fat, just like. I got this opinion. I think it was a war. Oh, no, like no. And so, um, like, I hate I the have Young Turks. So many opinions about Young Turks. I, I have love and hate moments. <laughs> it, it's it's a complicated relationship I have with them in my head. I because never, when I never they started off, guy. when they first started, yeah, they were really good. They yeah. were they were really different. You know, I mean, they were just like people in their house making their own newscast right sure and, and it was like okay okay and then over the years i think as they got more successful and they and whatever his name is because i i can't i think it's sink or something yeah, like i feel like there was more of just like ranting and <laughs> of just like him feeling self-righteous about his opinion which like yes. granted yeah we need we need a little bit of that because that's coming out of fox news and stuff like that yeah but it I liked his persona when the, it first started. He had a little more humility. It was more journalistic. Yeah. And now I'm just like, now you're just a ranter. Like, it's like why MSNBC drives me nuts, too, as much as Fox does. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't care if you're left or right. I just don't want to hear that much of just such one-sided opinionness. Like, oh. Yeah, the Young Turks are on uh, YouTube TV. And so um, they're one of the channels. And so I, every once in a while, I scroll down to the Young Turks channel. And I'm like, let's see if Sink is on again. <laughs> like, like, just like his, He's like Fidel Castro and his like 90-hour oh, broadcast. Oh, no, no. It's like it's like really horrible. Oh no! Uh, oh now they're gonna call us. Oh, I'm sure oh, they will. I no, hope they, I yeah. I hope they do. Oh no! And the public affairs director. That means they send an email to me. Oh no! Oh, I just made your job that much harder. Or it's gonna be awesome. Or it's gonna be awesome. I kind of like those emails. Well, if the Young Turks like are listening, it. a tether at kvu.org if you want to discuss this. <laughs> I mean, how awesome would it be actually if they were like, "Hey, y'all listen to Kvu." Because you know what? Maybe maybe they love to hate us. Maybe they do. Yeah. I don't know. And we can just have that relationship where we just call each other like, what? 
What? The other person he reminds me of, and he did, he's not nearly as funny, is uh, Gene Scott. I don't even know if you remember that guy. Who's Gene Scott? Gene Scott was a televangelist in Los Angeles, and he had Channel this 30. This is so familiar. And, I am Googling this And so right he now. had white hair. He was a Stanford grad, and then he had this whiteboard. And so, and so, and he was that guy, the dude with the like the glasses, the beard, and all white hair. That guy, that guy. I would get sucked <laughs> into his show. Oh my! And I would yell at it because, oh. like, because what was fun about it was like when he would be on a tirade. If not enough people were pledging gifts, he's like, get on those phones, and then like they would go, yes, sir, and like it was just it was hysterical, uh, and so. Uh, when Glenn Beck speaking about 912 again, when Glenn Beck first started doing his whiteboard stuff, Keith Olbermann goes, and Glenn Beck is channeling the ghost of Gene Scott. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was hysterical. Yeah, I remember as a kid, like, finding Gene Scott. He was on, like, public access or something like well, that. Well, Channel 30 was his own ch- station, but it was, like, such, it was so low budget, it looked like public access. Oh. <laughs> uh, and so that, I mean, that's one of the things that my I didn't see until my trip to Portland was, like, when we, my brother and I moved ourselves up here, or, and uh, he helped me move up here, and we stopped in a little city called Galt uh, for night stay from San Luis Obispo to, uh. to Portland, because that's a long drive, especially yeah. with a U-Haul going 55 miles an hour. Oh, my gosh. And uh, my fr- my cousin showed me the film UHF, which is by Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, my and gosh. I, I mi- haven't seen I that miss, back in the day. It's, I miss the UHF, like, low-budget bro- broadcasting. It's yeah. actually really it, – they were really fun little weird shows. I mean, that's – that's why when Between Two Ferns, <laughs> it was like everybody's nostalgia. Everybody's nostalgia between the ferns. Well, it kind of re- it, it ruins the, the cheesy UHF effect if the president appears on the Between the Ferns. Like that, that's like that's like oh wait, this isn't low budget broadcasting anymore. The president of the United States is here. <laughs> oh goodness. Okay. We, well, maybe that's what's actually next for Heather because like right, we got like a couple minutes. So Heather. Yes. Is what's coming up next for Heather McCoy besides finding awesome job and all the things. Well, um, self-loathing. Self-loathing is coming up next. Okay, that that too. Um, Can can we look forward to Heather's version of Between Two Ferns on public (laughs) access? Please say yes. Uh, we can put a fake like Gene Scott glasses and hat on you. Well, I wanted to do you a whole pledge drive. I wanted to do a whole pledge drive as Gene Scott. Oh and my then, god! And then just like just talking like gibberish and just like you need to support K bro. Get on those phones. <laughs> okay, well maybe maybe I'm gonna make a special appearance during the pledge drive. But you won't know because yeah. it'll be other doing jeans. <laughs> it'll be other doing jeans. These are the great ideas. These are the constant that ideas that I come up with that are just gold. Heather, <laughs> why don't you have your own radio station where we're just pumping out these ideas twenty four hours a day? Well, I did apply to become station manager, <laughs> and then that. And you know what? They that- still haven't hired the station manager, so maybe you're still in the running because they're listening right now and hearing all this radio <laughs> they're gold. Like, they're like jotting this down on a piece of paper. They're they're like, like, oh my god, Gene Scott this imitation. We, this is what we need. To, like, turn this place around. Everyone's gonna call in for the tote bags. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm gonna miss this place a lot. Uh, and all like you've been a really great friend. Um, every time I come in here in the morning and I see your shining face, and um, we laugh about the going ons here, and it's made everything a lot more fun. Ah, uh, thanks, uh, Heather. I'm gonna so. miss seeing your face in the morning too. <laughs> so um, this is Heather McCoy show. Uh, we're going to be uh, going out. It's number four, my gal Sal. Uh, I didn't do 
I did horrible prep work from the engineer Ray, and I feel very sorry for that. Uh, I feel shame. Thanks, Ray. <laughs> Thanks, Ray. As a uh, you know, as New Japan wrestling ref with uh, red shoes would be very disappointed in me. <laughs> I don't know if you know him or not. No, but I now I gotta Google this. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, thanks you for letting me come into your last show, Heather. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're very welcome. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I want to su- say thank you for to everybody at KVU f- for supporting the show and calling in and saying how much they enjoy it. I'm a. Uh, I want to come back soon. Hopefully, I can come back soon, and hopefully, uh, this you're gracious enough to let me into your lives again on these airwaves and I do appreciate everything the station has done for me and I will continue supporting it you should too uh, Between the Covers is up next uh, I'm off on the music show I'm waking up super early next week not this week uh, thanks for listening have a great morning KBOO Community Radio wants to hear from you, our dear listeners and members, about why you support KBOO, why you listen, and why others should support the radio station. Please call 503-231-8032, extension 302, and tell us your name, what KBOO means to you, and why do you continue to support KBOO. Again, that's 503-231-8032, extension 302. Thank you for supporting your community radio station, KBOO Portland. This is KBOO Portland. The time is 10.59. Coming up next on Words and Pick... Er, sorry, coming up next on Between the Covers, host Ken Jones talks with Lawrence Shaneberg, author of the new book, Four Men Shaking, Searching for Sanity with Samuel Beckett, Norman Mailer, and my favorite Zen teacher. And at 11.30 on Words and Pictures, SW Concert speaks with local cinema archivists who present screenings of rare and risque films. All of these KBOO programs are made possible by member support. If you'd like to become a member, go to kboo.fm and click on Donate. Welcome to Between the Covers, a weekly KBOO program all about books and the people who write them. I'm your host this week, Ken Jones. On today's show, our guest is Lawrence Shaneberg, author of the new book, Four Men Shaking, Searching for Sanity with Samuel Beckett, Norman Mailer, and my favorite Zen teacher from Shambhala Publications. Lawrence is author of the memoir, Ambivalent Zen, One Man's Adventures on the Dharma Path, the nonfiction book, Brain Surgeon, An Intimate View of His World, and three novels, One on One, Crust, and Memories of Amnesia. His fiction and journalism have appeared in Esquire, Harper's Tricycle, and the New York Times Magazine, and he's won a Pushcart Prize for his monograph on Samuel Beckett.